Insert disc two. So Aaron, mm -hmm. this comes in from Discord. I know him. Um, so the question is, what will happen in 20 years when people want to play today's games, which rely on updates and patches to fix bugs? Will Sony, etc., keep them available for old hardware to download, or will we get them another way? You want to start on this? I've got instant feelings. I can tell you right now. That's what I want. I want it raw. <laughs> Remember last week when I just screamed to start the show? I'm mm -hmm. trying to be more dignified this week. Um, it's already happening. You don't need 20 years. It's happened, it's, and it, we're getting screwed. Uh, I want to play City of Heroes with my kid. I want to play it right now. I can't play it right now because it, they took it down. Um, there's no getting it back. So if you're an MMO fan, you're insta-screwed. I found this show this week, and it goes over what killed these MMOs. And there are MMOs I totally forgot about that people were very passionate about at the time. Um, so it's happened. What's going to happen in 20 years? Really, it depends on... 20 years isn't that long a time. It really is when you sit down and think about what you were doing 20 years ago. A lot of it depends on how generous the uh, owners of the game want to be or uh, are able to be. Uh, in 20 years, uh, if you want to play EverQuest 1, which it's still up, but I doubt it'll be up in 20 years, uh, you're going to need someone to provide server and someone to provide that code to get everything running. And if you don't have it, you're not going to be playing EverQuest. Uh, if you want to play... Uh, I mean, there were games in the 90s that needed patches and stuff right away that were unplayable. Uh, and if you can't access them, you're screwed. It's a little bit easier with that stuff because most of it's documented and, and held up. But the patches today are sometimes uh, 10 gig. So someone's got to store all this stuff, then give you the uh, access to it. So I don't, I don't see a, I don't see a, a, a retro gaming scene like there is today. Uh, and it's not because they're not as passionate about their games. It's just it'll be very, very inconvenient. Uh, and I don't know what can be done about it. <clears throat> There's no way you can really... I mean, I suppose someone could archive a fully patched game and keep it somewhere. I mean, there are people that specialize this. Like, their life's work is to archive stuff. We've heard Rob talk about archiving all those C64 discs. And he's backed them all up or whatever. It's probably... A lot of it's probably needless because the stuff's out there. But people like him <clears throat> are the stewards of that stuff. And so one would assume that somewhere there is someone that is working to save some of these games, but I don't know for sure that well, that's it's, happening. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mention that <laughs> because another thing we were talking about on Discord is that they've just passed a law that says that it's now legal, for, and this is a United States law, it's now legal to back up and keep code related to MMOs that have gone under. I saw that, um, yeah. And so th things are starting to happen in that direction. But like you said, it's too late for a lot of these games. You know, yeah. who knows if any of like the City of Heroes stuff, who knows, maybe all that stuff is just gone forever. Yeah. Maybe when, who was the company <laughs> that ran it? NCSoft? Or? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were uh, out of, uh, I think it was South Korean. Mm -hmm. So maybe when they when they went under, when they got bought or they whatever. Did, they didn't do either of those. They just took it down because it was not a big hit in Korea. So maybe that code still exists out there somewhere. One would assume, um, and uh, that's a whole other story, but in terms of a, a non-MMO game, really it's funny because now every game is like an MMO uh, in that everything gets patched. Some of the patches are so vital that the game is pointless without them. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> and 
So when you go into that world, you're into the world where you might not be playing your game. Even something like that, if you look at the Nintendo Switch, which has that little hard card they store the games on, uh, I would I, they still patch stuff, you know, and um, so they're not even invulnerable. But the rest of it, anything that's like you, it's downloadable content or whatever. I mean, unless it's the archive somewhere, it's probably going to be gone. Well, you know, I'm going to give you the other side. All right. Okay. <laughs> the other side is that because of digital distribution, fewer games will go out of print and leave the public eye completely. Now, the exception to that is any kind of multiplayer mode. You know, I think what we're going to see is a future where the single player campaign for many games still exists in one form or another. But anything that requires an external server to keep running, <laughs> if that is not making money somehow, you won't see it again. Well, it's, it's because, very likely. Because with Steam and things like that, you know, publishers can leave games in print forever. And because of the, the long tail, they'll probably continue to sell to some greater or lesser extent. Yeah. Um, and what you will see is you'll see more and more great deals where, you know, five years after a game is out, you'll be able to buy it for 99 cents. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that we could go one of two ways, but I think the people that are going to suffer the most are going to be, like you said, the MMO fans, because they're going to get really attached to a particular world, and when that world is no longer profitable to maintain, there's no fail-safe to, to, to keep that going. I think, but I, I mean, getting back to, uh, I think all, a lot of games are, how many games, we don't know what's patched in these games, okay? How many games have you heard? I've heard this over and over, and I don't play a lot of modern stuff. But I've heard this from my brother. I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. Mm -hmm. I bought. I went and bought Game X <coughs> for my PS3, PS4, Xbox One, whatever. But when I got home and put it in, there was a thirty-minute download or a, an hour download. You know. So what is on that disc? If, probably whatever is on there is not a playable game. Uh, I don't think so. I think what you're seeing is the cumulative effect of many, many patches over a set amount of time. The game itself is going to be playable. Is it going to be as good of an experience as if you're playing the patched game? Maybe not. But there's been very, very few times where publishers have shipped a broken game right out of the factory. I think I agree with that up to a point. I think it's becoming more commonplace. Well, I think it's definitely become more acceptable to let certain things slide in the development process in the in the in the knowledge that you're going to be able to patch it later on. Right. But just to put a disk in your system and not be able to fire it up at all or to have some sort of like one of these, you know, Action 52 NES type experiences where the game is just broken. Remember the controversy a few years ago where uh they were requiring an internet connection to play your game console. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was a big deal. Well, it, it wasn't to, to play the game console. It was to, to play games that you'd bought digitally. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, it, the console was, would check in. It would check in. That was, that was part of it. And when you, and so, for, you know, when you put in a, a disc, um, that's another aspect of it that worries me. And also, you don't hear much about that now. And there's a reason. It's because digital distribution has become more, I mean, this was inevitable. Uh, people are more comfortable than they were a, a generation of consoles ago about getting stuff digitally with no box and no cartridge and no disc. All right, you don't think twice about it now. <coughs> and what got you there? Just what you said: cheap games. You know, everyone's got a Steam list with a bunch of games on it, uh, and so uh, uh, 
it makes a scenario where you lose all your stuff quite possible. Well, you, you know. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, you could lose all your stuff just like your home could go up in flames. I mean, it's possible, but it's not probable. I mean, Steam is is not going anywhere for the foreseeable <laughs> future. And as long as you have Steam, then you have your library. One of the other things besides the cheapness of digital downloads is the convenience that you can go to any PC, log into your Steam account, and download your games. But you did say 20 years. Steam is very viable right now, but who knows what's going to happen in 20 years? Nobody knows, but... You know, so... so uh, now, And I think Steam also... I'm not, I wasn't singling them out, for a second, but I think Steam has a, an angle where you can actually... Put the game on your computer somehow. Download the game to your computer. Uh, I looked into this a couple years. Now, I, I don't know about now, but there was a time where, like, you could actually have the game on your computer without having to be, in case they would ever go away. All right? Okay. I, I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, well, me and Chad, some other paranoid people looked into it. We're not the only ones. <laughs> but a smaller service could come and go. And, and uh, uh, I mean, let's look at the, uh, the Pinball Arcade people. Now... Uh, you can no longer get those tables, but if you own them, you keep right. them. Right. So nothing has been lost. But if you're, uh, 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 if they were to go under, for example, uh, it's, it's it, there's a very conceivable possibility that once the console you had those games on went out, you you were done with them, and you and, and if you had the original disc you bought, it didn't come with all the extra tables. I mean, but, these are possibilities. Uh, again, my point. But again. This is never, I mean, I don't want to say this has never happened before, but this is not, like, for example, remember, there was a, a famous case is like uh, Double Dragon. There was a Double Dragon remake that came out on the 360 that the company went under. Is that that Neon? Yeah. Oh, I, man. I, I, I can't, don't, I heard that was don't write in if that's wrong. I, but this is, but it's, it was some Double Dragon Right, right in. Um, the company went under. You were unable to rebuy the um you were unable to buy the game again and even if you had downloaded the game previously you could not re-download it but that would still require you to erase the game from your memory card on your 360. so you know it, it's easy to imagine a world where like stuff like this happens and everything goes wrong but we haven't seen that except really for mmos and except for multi like um, you know, Call of Duty style like a deathmatch multiplayer. Right. But it, but I mean, in in ten or twenty years, uh, then when you know when this stuff's failing, then you're gonna. I mean, you're not gonna probably. You may or may not. I never like to say there's no way you're getting it back because I know sneaky, stinky pirate types or archivists are coming up with ways to store right. this stuff. So it's. I'd say it's. But I would say there's probably a future version where it's going to be. You're, it's not going to be something you can just get obtained easily and without a, some additional knowledge. To just go out I don't and play know. your I, game. I think that the, in ten or twenty years, video game companies will become <laughs> so good at monetization that they'll figure out a way to serve anybody that wants to play anything anytime. You know, they'll say you can still buy that from us. You know, it won't be like downloading Tosec packs from the Internet Archive like it is now. Let me ask you a question. Um, a lot of people, and this is along the same lines. Let's look backwards now. A lot of people are uh, have and the retro movement has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's strong now. It's always been pretty strong, but now it's really strong. <clears throat> How much of that do you attribute to? This is a two part question. How much of the current strength of the retro movement do you attribute to the people's ability to play these things with emulation over the past say twenty years? Is, I mean, percentage-wise, do you think 
it's 50% of it's strictly because of that, or none of it's because of that. Where do you put where do you put the importance? Because I've heard this battle around that's quite a, a that's bit. That's a great question. I think the number of people that enjoy retro titles that are playing them through okay. So the the number of people out there <laughs> that are into retro games that are playing them through some sort of emulation is probably pretty high. But I'm not even saying that. What I'm saying is how big a part that emulated classic ROMs play in the current popularity of retro gaming. That's what I want. Because people, you know, when people, anytime a ROM site gets shut down or something, mm -hmm. I hear this, oh man, if it wasn't for us, there would be no market for this. Yeah, and you've I heard this before I don't, too. I don't buy that. So, um, but, but I mean, I think that, for example, if everybody was playing on emulators all the time, then the, the NES Mini wouldn't have sold 18 billion units. You know, there's a market for people that... It was released at the right time, though, wasn't it? Don't you think? I mean, because the, the, well, there was before, a strong okay. retro movement before well, that was released. No, I mean, before then you had the Jack-specific <laughs> plug-and-play games, you know, right. the Space Invaders. There have always been people that enjoyed playing video games when they were younger, and when they see a new thing come out, they're like, oh, I haven't played that in years. I want to buy that. Versus your person that, you know, sits in front of a PC and goes through... Because for a lot of people, even just the whole concept of emulation is beyond the trouble that they want to go through to play something. Right. So you, what you're saying is, if I, if I got this right, is that you don't think uh, emulation, the, the, re, the hardcore retro gaming fans... For that sprung up in the early '90s and ran till today, had did a, had a whole lot to do with the current retro movement that is in full swing. They're making money hand over fist. That's correct. That's okay, correct. <laughs> what do you think? Um, unpopularly, I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think <clears throat> I think what played a bigger role is uh, time. The time, uh, the age of the people uh, got right. <clears throat> if you consider, listen, uh, I love the um, Atari 2600, okay? And I like, even like Pong back in the day. But I wasn't overly, um, I wasn't overly anxious to go out and re-experience those games, all right? Now, I'm not saying anything bad about it, and there are some great ones. But the era of the Nintendo, the Genesis, uh, uh, that era, not only is there is it tickle that retro days of old, but it also the games hold up. They hold up well. They look good enough to be fun today and show good on your TV, and, and it's a retro thing. And I think that is the biggest part of the movement, not so much that there was this... I mean, there's this... <sighs> And you've heard it, but there's this weird feeling that people have that they're that you know and, and are mad at Nintendo or mad at these other companies because they've taken these ROMs down. It's like how dare they? We built their business. Well, not really. Right. In my opinion, we built their business. If their business was giving us all their intellectual property and letting us distribute it freely well, across the, I'm area. not going to be mean to these people because I can. Under, in fact, maybe I've had that in my head before. And all these people saying we. I guarantee you that 99.999% of them were not involved in any sort of development of the emulator oh, no, or I'm not, dumping I'm, I'm not even saying that. But what I'm saying is uh, when, uh, like, that MU Paradise went down, they took the, I think Nintendo shut down their ROMs uh, section, for example. And there's, this happens every couple years, mm -hmm. you know, if you've been in this as long as I have. Uh, and I've heard this argument before that, like, if it wasn't for us, we built the community, uh, we with the conventions, we made it popular. 
I mean, I'm not I'm not discounting any all of that, but I'm saying, and I think it was a a, a very very small percentage of, of the overall appeal. I think it's I mean I think it's just that some people were more passionate yeah. about it and held on to it harder, and they kept at it. They found a way to do it and play it. But like you said, the majority of people they don't know what emulation is. Right. They don't. And and I mean, look, you know what emulation is, and you wanted these little mini things. You know, why did you want them? Because you're nostalgic. You. You may have your other reasons. You could say, I want to support or whatever, but I mean, you wanted one because they're cool looking, you like it, it reminds of the old days, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and it has nothing to do with uh, uh, the retro community of ROM players out there. I mean, I'm not undercutting or discounting the emulation people that put that stuff together because they're incredible, but I'm just saying, I just think that has played a small role in, in the overall appeal. Now, all that aside, switching back to the modern stuff, um, we live in a world now where you can literally play any game you want, if you want to, from the beginning of games up until the current day stuff. Uh, will this continue? In 20 years, we may be able to play anything uh, storage-wise. We'll probably be able to store whatever we want. Well, right? There won't be storage. Everything <laughs> will be streamed from the cloud. That's still storage. Well, my, yeah, my but point I mean, is, yeah. you, you'll have access to an unlimited right. amount of data. Sure. <clears throat> so that won't be an issue. Yeah. So uh, technology willing... Theoretically, if we're playing everything we want to now, uh, we probably will be able to do the same thing then. If it's if again, the only thing that's going to stop it is uh, is lawyers and 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 or, or you know people that have digital rights stuff going on right. where they don't want it distributed. I think that's going to be the key. So if if you get past that, I don't think there'll be a problem. And I think you know I'm not really the best person to ask about this because it, for me. My best, my best gaming days and my favorite games and all of that stuff is all behind me. Like, I am not playing modern games. I have no interest in 99% of all the games that are currently released. So, like, if we can't play Xbox 360 games 20 years from now, I'm not going to care. Like, because the stuff that I want to play forever is the stuff I can play now. Um, but I know that there's lots of people that are very passionate about current day stuff and they worry about that stuff for the future. And I, I feel bad for them because you, you really don't know, but I take some comfort in the fact that I'll always be able to play NES games and Super Nintendo games and Amiga games. The thing I wonder, you know, I guess people are nostalgic forever, all right, going forward. I wonder how nostalgic people are going to be in 20 years for games out now. This is not an indictment of those games because their games are great. A lot of them are really good. Uh, but uh, I just wonder if that people are going to have the same makeup because these are people going to be growing up in a different age. When I was a little kid, <clears throat> video games came around. It was like a revelation. You'd never see anything like it. Okay, My son has access to a tablet, a computer, the Switch, an arcade, every game ever made. Mm -hmm. He's complete. Plus... He's, he's in a world where there's virtual reality. He's in a world where he's limitless in what he can do, you know, mm -hmm. all the channels he wants. So how big an impact is this stuff going to have on his life versus the impact that had on people who didn't have anything but well, Nintendo, yeah, for example? Here, here's, here's something else about that. You know, there were tons of people that grew up in the same generation as you the video games were a part of their youth, but then once they grew up, they stopped playing them and, and they moved on. Yeah. I think you're going to have the same thing with people in your son's generation where, you know, maybe video games will affect him in some profound way and he'll want to hold on to it forever. Or maybe he'll play around with video games for a while and then he'll be, find some passion somewhere else and he'll never come back. I just want, you know, we, we didn't grow up with the internet, for example. 
I mean, there are big facets. There, there are so many more avenues of entertainment mm-hmm. than there were. I wonder. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying people aren't going to be passionate about games. I just wonder if they're going to have um, a more diverse, you know, nostalgia feeling when they go back. And boy, I'd like to see what a CRT looks like again. Something like you know, I mean, just as an example, uh, uh, I, you know. And so in the future, in 20 years, who knows what even the demand for retro is going to be. I mean, it may be super huge. I, I don't think, know. I'm I just think, speculating. I, I, I think if, if, you know, you've got to look at the way that things have always been. The way I look at it is like the birth of pop culture. It was like the, the 50s and the 60s, you know. So you have all these people that grow up with the Beatles and stuff like that. And then when they get money, what's they, what do they want to buy? They want to buy all the Beatles <laughs> records and the Elvis records. So the prices go through the roof, you know. And that goes up until we get to like... You you don't really see it, I guess. I don't know. I'm not involved in the classic movie scene. You know, it's not like people are collecting, you know, vintage stuff because the resolution keeps getting better with Blu-rays and stuff like that. So I don't people know how do it, collect it. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, with video games, I kind of see more akin to the the record collecting phenomenon, where people there's this memory of them when they were a kid with this thing. They don't have the thing for a while. Then they see the thing in a store. They see the thing online, and they want it because it recaptures that memory. I don't know. I used to. Everyone I knew used to collect baseball cards. Right? How many people collect them now? Well, not nearly as many. I know they still do, but they're not. It's way down. You know, things come and go. Yeah, and maybe yeah, and maybe you're right, but I don't think that video game collecting or people liking video games throughout their lives that is not going to go away. Maybe not. It just may not be to the. To the degree that it is now, or you're maybe assuming, it'll be bigger. But you're assuming super duper thing five thousand doesn't come out in ten years. That makes you forget about all this other crap. You never know. Super duper thing five thousand for me was video games and computers. I don't know what before that before that stuff came around. What were my interests? You know, I liked dinosaurs and stuff. You know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's it's going to be a lot of it's dependent on just what happens in the next ten years or twenty years. You know. But I think there'll be, you know, there's always going to be somebody passionate about games. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. 